Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about episodes five and six of The Last Dance, with episode five basically profiling Michael's meteoric rise to the pretty much global icon that he is today. And episode six kind of diving into some of the scrutiny he's received and him managing his reputation throughout uh, this pretty intense spotlight that was on him during his career in the 90s. Um, but what, what did you think, Kyle? I think it was cool to kind of see the evolution of his brand. I never really... I knew that he went with Nike, but it, I didn't realize at the time that Nike wasn't really you know, a basketball mm-hmm. brand. It was just for track, and he really liked Adidas, and Converse was the way of the NBA, but you know, he wasn't big enough to get to Converse. Um, it was really cool just to see the evolution of the Air Jordan brand kind of develop. And then yeah. moving on to like season six, I knew that his competitive nature, which sometimes translated to his gambling nature, was a mm-hmm. little bit of an issue. Um, but I didn't realize that it was kind of something that almost, it might have driven him out of the sport sure yeah he definitely yeah there's there's a lot to get to in episode six about his reputation especially because of gambling um but yeah i think what was so intriguing to me about what you were talking about with the sponsorship deal with air jordan was that at the time it was pretty much like uh nike sort of took a bet on michael being the future of the nba Mm -hmm. because at the time he hadn't won any championships um i think he'd probably led the league in scoring at a few points but um, it was interesting that they, and they really only got the deal because they were willing to do a signature shoe for him. Right. Um, but I, I love the anecdote too, of him wearing his Jordan ones back to the Madison, Madison square garden where he'd worn, worn them for the first time mm-hmm. and just like could barely walk off the court. His feet were bleeding. Yeah. I, I remember playing like, even now we have basketball shoes that we wear when we play, but if you've got your shoes and you had to play in like your vans or whatever else you were in, <laughs> Converses. Like, yeah, like your feet were hurting and I'm sure those mm-hmm. soles were very unsupportive. Yeah. Technology's definitely come a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, episode five definitely covered a lot of ground. I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most was they basically, they covered the second championship versus the Blazers. Um, and, Jordan's kind of ire at being compared to Clyde Drexler, which is funny now when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the 1992 Dream Team and some of the drama with Isaiah Thomas, uh, the whole t- Tony Kukoc situation, Air Jordan and Nike, uh, his like politics or lack of involvement in politics. Um, there was like so much that was covered in episode five. It was a pretty fun episode to watch. Yeah, I like that episode five really helped to demonstrate Jordan's like ruthlessness when it comes to his own Mm -hmm. personal relationships. Um, Which one stood out to you? Well, first it's implied that Isaiah Thomas was not picked for the dream team because of the personal like issues that he had with Jordan. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course he refutes that. Um, But it, to me the main thing was that, the battle in the games with Croatian um, forward, you know, Tony Kukoc. And that just kind of 
to me was the most revealing about his competitive nature. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was interesting because I feel like if you ask most, like if you were to ask LeBron James today, his feelings about the Olympics, like no one seems to take the Olympics or any like amateur basketball too seriously. Um, But Michael, and they even kind of talked about in episode six, like Michael will invent a reason to get mad or like for his drive Mm -hmm. to really get into full gear. And just because the bulls drafted this almost like Luka Doncic type player in terms of expectations, he was just told Scotty Pippen and the rest of the team. It was like, let me and Sky take care of this guy. That's pretty ruthless. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he had, you know, Tony had nothing to do or like nothing to deserve the treatment <laughs> yeah. that, you know, and then of course he like, he went on to have a long career with the bulls and he, I guess, earned the respect of Jordan for everything that mm-hmm. they went through. But yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah. It didn't, doesn't seem like me from this footage that Jordan really respected too many of his teammates besides maybe Scotty and Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like the greats at the time, it seemed like he had a pretty close relationship with Magic and Larry Bird. But he he definitely, he said he was going to make himself look like kind of an asshole in this documentary series. And um, I, I feel like at times I find him to be very eloquent and very like poised and measured in his responses in the current, like in the modern day. But sometimes I also think he takes kind of a, sort of a cheap road out mm-hmm. in like formulating some of his excuses in terms of like um not getting along with anyone on the team yeah not getting along with people um or really even just the whole kind of background with Isaiah Thomas not making the team right. you know i think people since episode five came out have really centered around kind of the double standard that there was around like the similarity between the Pistons and the Knicks at the time, they kind of make that comparison really clear. Um, But with Michael essentially acting as like an executive producer for the show, his ire and his, he even says his hatred for Isaiah Thomas is pretty clear. Um, And they don't, I don't really feel like they give Isaiah Thomas the benefit of the doubt throughout most of the kind of the, the retelling of that situation. Right. I did think it was funny whenever they were taking pictures, uh, magic and Larry and Michael Jordan for the Olympics mm-hmm. magic made the comment of, uh, don't get too close. Cause they'll call a foul <laughs> on you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, obviously that's what happens. Even nowadays we see with like LeBron and James Harden and all the big like names. Now it seems like there's a lot of, getting away with things definitely um yeah i think that the footage that they showed of that scrimmage the like monte carlo scrimmage mm-hmm. was interesting to watch but I've, I've heard a lot of people kind of clamoring for whoever owns that footage to release the full scrimmage because it's like arguably some of the ba- best basketball ever played hmm. yeah they they the way magic was describing it um, he was describing a lot more intense than what we actually saw in that footage. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, it, it didn't seem too. They they definitely kind of editorialized it a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but I think what was what's so interesting too about people talking about events that transpired like thirty years ago, essentially, is that they're able to recall these tiny, minute details of even just a scrimmage for an international t- a game. Um, and like, if I were to think back of any time I've played like a pickup game or even like, even some of the organized sports I'd participated in, like in high school, I couldn't tell you those details. It's crazy that they just right. can hold on to them like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I, I liked how, um, when it came to the Olympics that, um, America was just getting crushed at the time. And that's when they were kind of like, all right, we need to get some, some pros in here, start winning some games. I guess, you know, Olympics, I think are traditionally for amateurs. And when yeah. you have professionals come into the play, that's when it gets a little bit muddy, but I guess that's kind of where we saw, I mean, now, like, I don't think USA has lost a basketball game in what, like three Olympics at least. So it's interesting. Yeah. I think ever since the redeem team in 2006, I think it's always been cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, I believe that the reason that we were like, all right, we got to form the dream team is because we lost to the Soviet union. Mm. Um, which of course, America was probably freaking out about at the time. <laughs> right. Uh, and they're like, all right, we got to, we got to switch this up. Yeah. I think, let's see. Yeah. So the Soviet union had placed, yeah, they'd won gold in the previous summer Olympics. And that's when everybody's like, all right, something's got to change. <laughs> wow. Also, we, we forgot to mention, you know, with episode five, this one was dedicated to Kobe Bryant. Um, and we saw, yeah, that's right. we saw it open up with, you know, MJ knew about Kobe and like what he was about before the all-star game even started. Um, just saying how he was going to take everyone one-on-one. He called him that little Laker boy. Yeah. And I thought that was funny. And, um, so Afro Kobe. Yeah. When there's a little bit of a, of an interview segment we have from him, um, I guess maybe some of that got. I don't know. Cut short. This might have been. Oh, as in, yeah. I just feel like we didn't get well, a lot of Kobe content. Yeah, we we didn't get too much, and I know just from reading after the latest episodes came out, I don't think they're actually done producing all of the episodes yet. So it could mm-hmm. be that they had maybe planned a little bit more uh, of participation from Kobe, but I think what they got were the really important aspects. Um. You know, where people, Kobe was basically shutting down the people who were like, who's better, MJ or Kobe? Right. Um, like, would you beat him in a game one-on-one? No, like, everything I learned, I got from Kobe, got from MJ. So that was really cool. Yeah. And and I you have heard, like, a lot of those discussions when it comes to, like, Kobe and Michael Jordan and LeBron. And um, I think a lot of the times when that debate comes up, a lot of people, and we kind of see here, like Kobe tried so hard to image his game and mirror Michael Jordan to become Michael Jordan, where LeBron is kind of taking that approach where he wants to be better than Michael Jordan. And I don't know what that really means for this, but. 
sure it's kind of interesting to see that dynamic like kobe was his mindset was just to be as good as michael jordan not right to be necessarily better than michael jordan better but yeah. being better than him at this time was unheard of like how could he be better than michael jordan and i mean lebron was definitely endowed with like physical gifts that mj didn't necessarily have mm-hmm. like it, it was really interesting to see i think it was in episodes three and four which you kind of glossed over uh that mj had to put on some weight because basically because of the bad boy pistons right. um and to see MJ in his early years, how skinny he was, definitely mm-hmm. pales in comparison to what even LeBron looked like coming into his rookie season. Yeah. Do you think we'll see LeBron at all? It's We're halfway through. We haven't seen him yet. Um, I don't know. I, I know that 7 and 8, from what I can tell, they released kind of some teaser footage, or is going to be mainly about how what it was like to play with and against MJ. Um, mm. And they kind of tease the story about him punching Steve Kerr in the face, <laughs> which is seems like a great story. Right. Um, but I feel like you can't have a documentary about MJ without LeBron. Right. In a way. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see something. He'll maybe he'll be at the end. Yeah. What I think, especially episode six, was so much about his reputation is a lot of people tend to make comparisons about the greats with respect to their game. Um, But much of the reaction I've been seeing to episode six is how devoid LeBron's legacy is of controversy. Um, Whereas, you know, episode six, they do a really good job of detailing the book that came out. uh, I think it was called like Michael and me Mm -hmm. that basically detailed some of I wouldn't. Well, he says not gambling problems. He calls it a competition problem, which sounds nice. Um, But you know, something to the tune of owing people over a million dollars. It's definitely safe to say that MJ's legacy isn't completely devoid of controversy. Right, and I remember it was maybe three or four years ago. I don't know where it came up, but I was listening to a podcast, and I think it was the herd with Colin Cowherd or something like, I don't know. It was some sports thing and they talked about, and I, and I didn't see it in this episode and maybe we're not there yet. Um, but right around this time in 1993 with the, um, championships then and his gambling issues, this was the same year that Michael Jordan's dad was killed and he was killed, um, in North Carolina on the side of the road, two guys came up to his car and pretty much shot him and dumped his body somewhere else. Right. Um, took his car. Took his car. And a lot uh, from that podcast, they had some information about that his dad's death is still theorized to be part of his gambling issue. That he owed maybe the wrong person the right. wrong amount of money. And they actually killed his dad for it, which, again, had a really big impact on his career, which maybe they don't want to show it in this but maybe we'll get that next episode yeah and you know the the director of the series um jason hey here i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly basically gave michael the right to cut whatever footage they wanted to and i guess in the past couple days they've talked to jason and he basically was like michael hasn't exercised that right thus far in the production of the show 
Um, so if that was something that they were intending on bringing up, you feel like that would be something that he might deny. Right. Um, but I, I've also heard those rumors as well. And it's hard watching this episode to not have that speculation kind of enter your mind about whether or not they might have been tied to gambling because uh, I, I don't know. And, and it, it hurts to say about someone that you see as like an idol, but um, this documentary was really eye-opening for me because I didn't know the extent to which his like gambling ran through his uh, his career and his reputation in the 90s. Yeah, and I wonder if that has anything to do with even now, like we rarely see Michael Jordan publicly in modern times. Like you'll see him at like a Hornets game right. or at like a UNC game or, you know, something basketball related. But I feel like you never see him in the public eye at all. And that might be, you know, as we saw from this episode, he dealt so much with publicity and the media and his career and how it kind of neg- negatively affected him where maybe that's why now he just kind of, hangs out in his very large and nice house. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we saw him at the Kobe funeral. I think that was the first time I saw him in years. Yeah. He definitely, well, it seems like, you know, they definitely made a point in episode six of kind of detailing how hard it was for him to handle the fame and the popularity Mm -hmm. during that time. Um, and to me, that felt almost strategic. Like they were, they were kind of saying, "Hey, MJ was having such a hard time with all of this," and then later in the episode, they get into all the gambling stuff. And to me, it seemed a little apologistic. Like they were doing that in sort of a strategic way, mm-hmm. um, almost trying to excuse some of the gambling stuff. But um, yeah, it's. It's hard because I, f- I feel like he, 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 like Michael probably wouldn't have survived this age of social media. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think probably a reason why LeBron's legacy has been so devoid of the controversy is because he's understood um, kind of the virality of actions of superstars in his age. Mm-hmm. Um some of the stuff that had come out about Michael during his heyday had come out publicly besides what people were reading in like books or newspapers probably would have been received really differently. Yeah. And you know, between the Jordan rules book and the gambling news and all that Mm. blowing up like this 92, 93 season was like incredibly taxing for the bulls. And, and they were already dealing with like this expected challenges or a challenge that comes with like attempting a three-peat essentially. And someone, I forget who said it, um, mentioned how, you know, as people get bigger and bigger and bigger, it's like this rise and fall narrative of success. Right. And we saw it even now with the modern day warriors, like you win and you like are put on this pedestal that people start expecting you to lose. And they want you, they want the negative stuff. They've, you've been positive, vibes all the time and then now they're like okay well what's negative about this guy we let's see him lose now and that of course and magic johnson even said um you You guys guys are are gonna drive him drive him out of the game yeah yeah because he's tired of you guys picking on him 
And, yeah. Uh, but to me, like part of it felt like Michael was kind of rationalizing his gambling, I wouldn't call it an addiction, his gambling, like his propensity for gambling. Um, like, hey, I'm carrying my teams. I'm the best that's ever lived. Like I need a break every now and then. Um, but everything I have seen from the, the series so far is like MJ with the cigar in his mouth, out golfing, drinking, like, it, to me, it felt like a lot of rationalization. Yeah. Um, to the point that his peers almost like like were an extension of that rationalization too. Yeah. Yeah, and then you kind of um, have like his. You kind of mentioned that he had his own reasons for like not speaking out on the social issues, mm-hmm. and you know, like, and exactly like you were saying, given like how vocal today's NBA stars are on like social issues. Like Jordan's refusal to get involved with all that stuff, the political and social stuff is like, it's such a stark contrast that it kind of paints him in a worse light because today everyone who's an athlete has something to say about social issues and political problems going on. Yeah. It's almost like the expectation for the athletes have changed. Like, I feel like we expect that now. Maybe it just wasn't so back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that situation that you're talking about where he like failed to essentially endorse a political candidate candidate was an example of what I talked about earlier, him being really like eloquent and he explained himself really well. Um, mm-hmm. and he was like, I, I just didn't feel like attaching to myself to someone I'd never talked to before. Right. Um, and it's not like I, you know, voted Republican. I ended up sending him a money to support his campaign as well. And it's like, it's my right to choose whether or not to do that. And I thought he was really well-spoken in that mm-hmm. aspect, but then, you know, getting to parts of him talking about his gambling addiction, I felt didn't go so well for him in terms of how he handled it. Right. Yeah. And of course I respect MJ for recognizing that he himself wasn't built for commenting on politics and mm-hmm. not really forcing it. Um, although I do give, athletes like LeBron James a ton of credit because they have used their platforms to speak out on important important issues that actually matter. So mm-hmm. there's like using it to your advantage or then there's also using it just to make it known. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting too the book uh, that everybody thought Horace Grant was like the one that snitched on LeBron. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of gave stories from the locker room in Sam Smith's uh, book about MJ. I'm kind of like wondering, like, who, when, when are we going to get the book about LeBron and some of his locker room <laughs> stories? You know, we oh, talked yeah. about the documentary. When are we going to get LeBron's documentary? But I feel like there's got to be some stories floating out there. Yeah, I've, I've seen some clips where LeBron just rips into his teammates. Um, mm-hmm. But again, with... With people like that having their own self expectation to be the best ever, it's mm-hmm. it's got to be hard for you to be their teammate when they the best people in the world, the best basketball player in the world, is still thinking that he's not good enough, and then you're being compared to this icon who thinks he's not good enough. Then like you're completely in the dumps, <clears throat> um, which is hard, I guess, but. But we'll see. Um, I'd like to see that LeBron documentary. I think that'd be pretty right. cool to see. 
see who's LeBron's security guards are. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so many of them have permed mullets. <laughs> yeah, that guy is an internet sensation. I see him all over the the webs now. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely been going viral for his like imitation of the Jordan shrug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um. But I, I guess this feature was kind of a posthumous appearance for him because he died about four months ago, I think. Oh, wow. Of colon, colon cancer. Hmm. Well, that's sad. Yeah. Um, and his son basically tells that I guess he'd been begging him to get rid of the mullet, which was a little outdated for the for the late 90s. Uh-huh. But he kept it going because that was his look, and he compared it to his lion's mane. Hmm. <laughs> So R.I.P. to John Michael Wozniak right. and the perm mullet, yeah. which with everyone <laughs> trapped in isolation, maybe we'll see some permed mullets once everybody's out of quarantine. Yeah. I mean, I'll just grow my mullet. That quarter game looks like a lot of fun. Throwing it, yeah, against the wall and see who can get closest. Yeah. Huh. It's like a good quarantine activity. Yeah. It, it was also funny because when I was watching this, oh, besides I actually I finally got a trivia question right. Which one? The LeBron was the answer. Oh yeah, with who was the last one to win MVP, Finals MVP, and a gold mm-hmm. medal? Yeah, yeah. But whenever we're here, we're talking and learning about the media strike that MJ went on. That kind of reminded me of when Kevin Durant did mm-hmm. the same thing, and he got so tired of taking what he perceived to be, you know, jabs at his game and personality that he went Mm -hmm. on like a media, a social media strike. And I think (laughs) that went very poorly for KD as well. Because of his burner accounts. Yeah. (laughs) He like flat out, like quit talking to reporters. And then he just like, yeah, had this burner account on Twitter that he was just like using. And clearly it was you dude. Yeah. I feel like people have become very deprecating uh about like towards KD's reputation mainly because of his interaction with the media and his propensity for being somewhat like overly defensive. Like coming to his own defense with his burner accounts is just kind of an odd move. Right. Yeah. But and of course we give like Durant a lot of crap for mm-hmm. being like upset. Like he was upset about the attention that Steph Curry got when they were two, like those two were teammates. Um, mm-hmm. But like, can you imagine if there were people suggesting that Scottie Pippen was a better player than Jordan, like back in the bulls head, yeah. like Jordan like would have been livid about that. I'm sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. And Katie also didn't respond too well to Draymond green. Mm-hmm. Who's almost a bit of like a Dennis Rodman character in himself. Right. Um, But yeah, I thought it was also interesting to see, I think it was at episode five, you know, Jordan's kind of star power, especially when he's playing at MSG. Right. How, uh, how awkward Jerry Seinfeld was. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like meandering through the locker room. And he got kicked Uh, out by Phil Jackson. Yeah. And he like goes over to the whiteboard and he's like, this isn't going to work by the way. (laughs) And like no one laughed at his jokes. Yeah. Poor guy. (laughs) Uh, but it was cool to see like all the 
the celebrities uh, back mm-hmm. then at the games and seeing who kind of was like hot at the time. Um, yeah, I think Spike Lee and Prince were there together. Yeah, and you mentioned Jerry Seinfeld. Um, Bette Midler. Yep. A few others. So that's cool. Yeah. To, to kind of see that. And it's a little bit different today, I think, unless you're like at a Laker game. Right. And you'll get your standard like Jack Nicholson or Snoop Dogg appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but um, we we kind of got away from Dennis Rodman. I kind of wanted to see more of him. I think there yeah. was more to his story, but again, it's not really about him. Um, we got Scotty Pippen. Um, like you said maybe Steve Kerr is coming up in the next coming episodes. Yeah, I think what seems to be coming is some more critical episodes of Michael and his behavior mm-hmm. um, and how his kind of competitive drive blurred the line between like okay and not okay like punching steve kerr <laughs> right yeah um, charles barkley was funny yeah he's charles doofus nowadays he's always funny yeah it, <laughs> it was really odd though to see him so like light on his feet and playing really great bat like mvp level basketball after watching him kind of like limp around the set of inside the NBA <laughs> right every night yeah yeah that's funny he was good and you know he he won MVP that year mm-hmm. um and MJ was kind of mad about that but too much of that i don't think charles he didn't ever won a finals did he he never won a championship no never won a finals mm-hmm. that was the closest he ever got but it was interesting to hear him say that he couldn't be upset because it was Michael essentially. Right. Like you're mad that the best player ever at that time beat you. Yeah. And I think that was one of their closest finals series. Um, even though they went up three, one, um, and I think they went back to Phoenix three, two. And that story about Michael only packing one suit was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> wanting to finish them out in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the two three-peats that the Bulls had during the 90s were discounted in any way by the strength of the teams that they faced? Um, saying the teams they faced weren't really that great, so them winning wasn't a big deal. Yeah, so they they played kind of the aging Lakers in their 91 for their first title, mm-hmm. uh, somewhat aging Clyde Drexler for their second, um, the Suns for their third. I think they beat the Sonics as well and the Jazz, I think, twice, if I recall. Right. Yeah, they, um, they're the, they were clearly the most dominant at that time, and it seems like those teams that weren't really that great were also one of the more dominant teams since they made it to the finals. Um, sure. Yeah. I think Phoenix had a better record that, than them that season that they played in the finals. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it was, I think it was fine. I think regardless, it's impressive to win three championships back to back to back twice. And, 
Um, I'm actually rereading um, the book that you got me a few years ago, more than more than a few years ago. Um, Eleven Rings by Phil Jackson. Sure. And kind of going into his side because we don't really we get some clips from Phil, but we don't really get a lot of deep dives. And in this book, he kind of talks more about like his coaching strategy and how that really helped the team and his kind of weird Indian Native American style. <laughs> and I think that's really interesting to to read about and. I think that was also one of the main reasons for their success because they had this super like exotic and eccentric coaching style and coach that it was. We had them doing yoga or meditation. Yeah. Yoga. Yeah. The meditation, weird, weird things, but clearly it, it worked for them and yeah. And people respected him for it. Right. Yeah, Phil, and that was one of the things we missed when we didn't do it th- episodes three and four was his kind of history. But mm-hmm. um, with so many big personalities, it's hard. You got to imagine how hard it must be to manage a team like that. And MJ even spoke to it right before the 98 playoffs where Phil let them go out and play golf. He was like, any younger coach would probably be a mean guy and have us this being like a practice day. But like Phil understands. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, that's really interesting. But yes, yeah, so the the reason I asked about kind of the the legacy is people, as this documentary series has been coming out, have been basically trying to poke holes in the three peats. Mm. Um, you know how they kind of missed the burgeoning Rockets during the two seasons that MJ was in doing baseball, um, and sort of like Hakeem Olajuwon's best seasons, mm. um, and then you know, base people like I think one thing was like try to name like the third best best player on each of those teams you know for the Suns it's like majorly um, Jerome Kersey, Detlef Shrimp pretty much like no names that you know if you think about the third best player on the teams that have won recently Mm -hmm. um, they're probably a bit stronger but I think at least for me I don't think that it discounts it in any way because of the way Michael just put them away and never let them get within an arm's reach of um, without within arms reach of a title right there's just that dominant yeah and we have uh, i think this is still record-breaking in terms of espn documentaries um watches in, yeah i think mm-hmm. in terms of viewership right yeah so that's really cool i don't know if they're going to are they doing any more like 30 for 30s about this or do you think this is going to be the last <laughs> the last dance of kind of like bulls mj stories yeah i feel like it'll have exhausted most of the stories um i think it's interesting you mentioned 30 for 30s because the episode about dennis rodman and the bad boy pistons was essentially like a crossover of that bad boys 30 for 30 hmm. you know yeah um but yeah i feel like they've covered so much and we, we talked about before how much this jumps around. And even my girlfriend has found it confusing. Right. She's always like, like what like what period is this in? Um and I'm honestly a bit like that as well. Um but they're just covering everything. So I I'd have to imagine this would be kind of it. And I'm sure MJ is tired of talking about it too. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to 
touch on? No, I don't think so. Um, so I, I already kind of alluded to what next week probably holds in store. Uh, I think it's going to be largely uh, about, again, the way what it was like playing with and against MJ. Um, and we even got a quote from Jason here that he was shocked by some of the things that MJ allowed to stay in episodes seven and eight. So definitely some major hype surrounding those episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited to see it again. Sunday nights at nine Eastern six Pacific. Yep. Um, back to back, back to back. And if you're not watching and, um, the, the mature episodes, yeah. I, I would suggest those. It's just a little bit more raw and, you kind of get a little bit more of a feel of how one, how they talk to each other and how they kind of carried themselves. I don't know if you would get that and then necessarily edited down. Right. PG 13 version. And uh, so that, that one is on ESPN as opposed to ESPN two, I believe. Yes. And then you have to find it if you're on the ESPN app or anything like that. Um, just make sure you're finding the right stream. If that's the one that you want to watch. Right. But anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, we have some other episodes coming out later this week and over the weekend. Um, Westworld is over. We finished that. If you wanted to get into that or you didn't watch season three, we've covered every episode of Westworld um, in kind of like a deep dive exclusive take on those. That was really fun. Um, we're going to have probably some Netflix movies come out. I know... The Extraction is kind of popular right now on Netflix. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. A few other movies, some other TV shows. I think uh, Bad Education on HBO is one that we talked about. Yep, Bad Education. And actually the release of HBO Max is later this month in May. That's right. So we might get a chance to cover that. Um, Quibi is doing weird things still. We might pick <laughs> that up later on. Um, Having that opened that up and. Since we recorded the episode. Right, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, we, for now, we will talk at you next time. See you then. Bye.